0: Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 451 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today, definitely going to be a little bit of a celebratory, festive mood here on Locked On New York Rangers because the Rangers, of course, just won their first game of the season going into Montreal, playing a team that was in the Stanley Cup Finals last year. I realize their roster is quite a bit different. They had some overturn this offseason, but be that as it may, Nevertheless, still a team that was in the Stanley Cup Finals last season, a team that was desperate for a win because the Canadians themselves opened this game 0-2. The Rangers were 0-1-1, so both teams obviously searching for their first win. And Montreal, notably a very, very difficult place to play. The Rangers, despite having some guys out of the lineup, having Capo Caco get injured in the first period and not returning, missing some firepower, the Rangers found a way to get it done. It was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. The Rangers were out-hit. They were out-shot. Uh, They were killed in the face-off circle. They took at least two completely unnecessary penalties. Uh, But be that as it may, good teams find a way to get it done. That's what the Rangers did in this game last night. And it's one of those games where, you know, you look at how the lineup is constructed to begin the game, and then you also throw in the fact that Capo Caco gets injured uh, in the first period and does not return, and you figure this is going to have to be a low-scoring win for the Rangers. This is going to have to be a tough, grinded-out win, and we heard so much in the offseason how the Rangers, you know, they wanted to get bigger and get tougher and more physical, more difficult to play against. It was going to have to be one of those kinds of games that was just kind of a slog and a game that you just kind of edge out your opponent in the very end and, like I said, win a low-scoring game. The Rangers were able to do that, so this is the first time really this season that I would say we really saw, you know, the physicality and the toughness make a difference, at least on the scoreboard. You know, we've seen the Rangers play physical, dish out some pretty big hits in the first two games, but this is the first time where we really saw it pay dividends. Uh, This is just the way the Rangers were going to have to win this game, and depending on how long Capo Caco is out, like we said, he had the injury, did not return after the first period, and depending on how long Ryan Strom is out, Strom is in the COVID protocol right now, uh, the Rangers might have to keep playing this way, and one of the biggest things they're going to need is for Igor Shosturkin to keep playing the way that he played in this game last night, because he was absolutely sensational for the Rangers. Stopped 31 of 32 shots. I didn't even look at the three stars of the game, but I can't imagine it was anybody besides Igor Shosturkin. Uh, you could go by the stats, 31 of 32, like I just said, or just do the eye test, because uh, he was absolutely fantastic. Really kept the Rangers in this game, preserved the lead with some really good saves at a couple different instances in this game. And what really stood out for me was how good he was on deflections. I mean, the Canadians had some really high danger, high quality scoring opportunities that came as a result of deflections in front of the net. And the way Igor reacted to this, I mean, he was cat-like. There was one, I'm trying to remember what period it was. I want to say it was the first period where there was a deflection in front of the net and he had to extend his glove so fast and so high and he just reached up, snagged it out of the air and uh, kept the Canadians from scoring. I believe the game was, was scoreless at that time. But yeah, I mean, you know, the Rangers, not the most exciting start in the first period, but I almost get the feeling that was by design because, you know, think about it. You're playing against a team, once again, that is desperate for a win. They're playing in front of their hometown fans who are notoriously a pretty rowdy, pretty excitable bunch there for the first time in a couple of years here or however long it's been. And you know, they're, they're ready to rock. You know, they come out, they're making noise, they're excited, they're into it. I think the Rangers want to kind of take the air out of the building a little bit, and I think they were able to do that by just playing uh, a solid game in the first period, nothing too flashy, nothing too exciting, but not making any mistakes. I mean, they they had the one, pe- the one penalty, excuse me, against Ryan Reeves. He had an offensive zone penalty early in this game, and once again, the Rangers take an offensive zone penalty less than five minutes into the game. That was less than ideal. Uh, I do think it was a little bit of a ticky-tack penalty, but You know, holding, the the refs don't mess around with that anymore. You used to be able to get away with murder when it came to the holding penalty. Uh, You grab somebody, they're going to call it these days. and, And Reeves got hit with it. I don't know that it was necessarily deserving of a penalty, it really could have gone either way, but they called it, and again, you know, the Rangers putting themselves in a bad spot, but despite all of this, the Rangers hung in there, a little bit of a stalemate in the first period, Igor Shesterkin was tested a couple of times, passive flying colors, and like I said, really, really kept the Rangers in this game, and I would say stole this game from the Rangers, for the Rangers, excuse me, because again, the Rangers were outplayed in a couple different facets of the game, but... They found a way to get it done, and we're going to continue getting into uh, the nitty-gritty details of this game in just a second here. But first, I just wanted to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, once again, just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, so I did want to talk a little bit about some of the Ranger lineup decisions. There were a couple that I know, you know, being on Ranger Twitter, had some fans scratching their heads a little bit. You can include me among you. As for, we'll, we'll start with the defensemen, actually, because with them, I think they did pretty much everything that they would be expected to do and everything that they should do. You know, Lindgren and Fox, Miller and Truba, Nemeth and Lundqvist, we're not going to critique that. I think that's pretty much the way the Rangers are going to roll just about night in and night out for the foreseeable future, assuming that everybody stays healthy and, you know, everybody plays at least some decent hockey. I think those are your sixth defense. But you look at the forwards and the top six, no issues there. I mean, you've got Zibanejad centering Lafreniere and Kreider. I think that's probably gonna be your top line for the foreseeable future. And then on the second line, with Ryan Strome being out of the lineup, I think it only made sense to move Philip Hedel into that spot. They've had Hedel at center anyway, so might as well bump him up, put him with Panarin. Maybe Hedel can get rolling a little bit, get off to one of his uh, hot streaks like he does every so often. I mean, I do think it's a good opportunity for Hedel to get out there to play with Panarin a little bit, but then you get to the third line, and you had Greg McCaig, who was caught up from the Wolfpack, and he is centering Sammy Blay and Barclay Goodrow, and Look, it's nothing against Greg McCaig It's just I don't see any upside whatsoever when it comes to him. And to put him on the third line on a night where you have Julian Gauthier as a healthy scratch. And look, I will admit this before I go any further here. I might tend to overrate Julian Gauthier a little bit. He's had some chances. He hasn't really converted on them with the New York Rangers. We've seen what he's done in the AHL, you know, put up some really solid goal numbers, but it just hasn't translated to the NHL for one reason or another. But certainly, I think just about anybody that would agree, even if you're not the biggest fan of Julian Gauthier and you think that it might be time to move on and look at other players... I think we can all agree he probably has more upside than Greg McCaig, and he certainly has a better chance of getting on the score sheet than Greg McCaig, and when the Raiders are scuffling and struggling to score goals, as they have in the first two games, I think that's all the more reason that Julian Gauthier needs to be out there. Again, is he going to go out there and have a hat trick and set the world on fire? Probably not, but I think, once again, he has more of a chance to do something to help the Rangers offensively than somebody like Greg McCaig does, and I realize, you know, McCaig's a center, but that's where Barclay Goodrow comes in, because as we just said this third line was McKaig centering Blay and Goodrow. well put Goodrow at center put Julian Gauthier at his natural position of right wing and I don't think there's really any need to have Greg McKaig in this lineup I mean you could put him maybe on the fourth line over Dryden Hunt one of those two could be the 12th center and the other excuse me the 12th forward and one of them can be uh, you know the odd man out as the healthy scratch but I just think again you know with a Ranger team that's struggling to score goals and struggling to create opportunities I would have had Julian Gauthier out there last night they did not do it uh, fortunately the Ranger got the win anyway, but then you had the fourth line, Kevin Rooney centering Dryden Hunt and Ryan Reeves, and again, it's nothing against Dryden Hunt or Greg McKaig, but I just, I I would add Julian Gauthier out there in favor of one of them, so that was a curious decision to, you know, call Greg McKeg up and immediately throw him into a top nine role, and it also brings me to an inevitable point that I have to make here, that the Rangers and Vitaly Kravtsov, nobody looks good in this situation, Kravtsov kind of just looks like, you know, a spoiled, entitled kid, and the Rangers seem very short-sighted because they're already in a situation where they would have been calling Vitaly Krasov Back up to the NHL roster. You gotta believe if all this drama with Vitali Krasov had not transpired, which again could have been very, very easily avoidable simply by including him on the opening night roster, even if it's just a healthy scratch, at least have him on the Ranger roster, it could have all been avoided and you could have been able to throw him out there into this game last night. I'm sure he would have been bare minimum in a top nine role. And when Capo Kako got hurt, I gotta believe Vitali Kravsoff would have been on the Panarin line, Panarin, Heedle, and Kravsoff. So yeah, nobody looks good in this situation. It was just so easily avoidable. If, if Vitaly Krasov had just handled his business like an adult and gone down and been mad about it, that's completely fine, and accepted the fact that he was going to have to start the season on the Hartford Wolfpack and that he would be called back up to the Rangers sooner rather than later, then we would not be in this situation. And on the flip side of that, if the Rangers, once again, had not been so short-sighted and simply included Vitali Krasov on the opening night roster, when you knew he was going to be back very soon anyway, then... Vitaly Kravtsov would be a member of the New York Rangers right now, and for a team that's struggling to score a lot of goals, I think he could help a little bit. And even if he can't help in the short term, this is somebody that you took... Number nine overall a couple of seasons ago, you got to believe there were still big plans for Vitaly Krasov to be a big part of this team, and now that has seemingly been ruined. There are rumors that the Rangers have been reaching out to Krasov. They're trying to talk him into coming back, but it also sounds like, you know, again, just going by different reports that are online right now, uh, that that's not the most likely scenario, him coming back. So it's just a mess and something that was completely avoidable in the first place, and I think that's why it's so frustrating. Uh, but as for the players that were here, and we'll, we'll talk more about Vitali Krausov at some point this week, because the Rangers play on Monday. They're at home against the Flames. They got another home game on Friday. I believe it's against the Blue Jackets. Let me check this real quick here. Let's see. Yes, home against the Blue Jackets on Friday. So at some point during this week, we go a couple days without any games, and I'll talk a little bit more about the Vitaly Krausov situation. We'll get into uh, some greater detail, because right now I feel like we're still just kind of scratching the surface when it comes to that. But... It must be said that the Ranger roster, as it's currently constructed, has lost a lot of firepower from what it looked like at the end of last season. Because think about it. There's no more Pavel Buchnevich. There's no more Colin Blackwell. Uh, Ryan Strom, I mean, he'll be back, but he's out of the lineup in the COVID protocol. And Vitaly Krasov. I mean, who knows what's going to happen there. It doesn't look like he's coming back to the Rangers. Maybe there's a 180. Maybe there's a change of heart on the part of the Rangers and or Kravtsov, and they can work something out and talk him into coming back. But that's a lot. And, and Kako as well. Kako just suffered the upper body injury. So you're down... Five of, I mean, at least your top 10 forwards from the previous season and guys that are all plenty capable of getting on the score sheet. So yeah, the Rangers are up against it right now. And it goes back to what I said, kind of at the top of the show here today, they're going to have to find a way to grind their way to some tough blue collar, hard nosed wins as they did in this game against the Montreal Canadiens last night. And uh, Igor Shesterkin going to have to be the one leading the way for the New York Rangers. He's got to steal a couple of games as he did in Montreal last night. And I already talked about how the first period was a little bit of a stalemate. Uh, there was a play with Niels Lundqvist that kind of stood out. It was a weird play because he's trying to take a shot uh, from the point. He breaks his stick, and you know the play starts going in the opposite direction. The puck comes into the neutral zone, and Lundqvist he doesn't have his stick. Well, actually, he held on to his broken stick for probably longer than he should have because the refs can call a penalty on this. I think in a spot like this you're kind of safe as long as you don't try to play the puck with your broken stick but that is by the letter of the law he's got to drop his stick as soon as it breaks uh, he didn't do that he dropped it relatively soon after so maybe the ref didn't even see it but he drops his stick and uh, quick thinking here by Lundquist. I mean he kind of uh, made up for you know breaking his stick and, and kind of whiffing on the shot a little bit because the puck's coming toward him and obviously Montreal I mean I'm sure they see that he doesn't have a stick and they're pressuring him and they're trying to turn it into a rush going the opposite way so Lundqvist he's kind of in the direction of going toward his own bench, and he reaches down and just bats the puck ahead with his hand. Now, that is a hand pass because the Rangers ended up touching it, but I think that beats the alternative because obviously Lundqvist has some uh, Montreal Canadiens breathing down his neck here, and I don't think you want to just try to you know engage these guys without a stick. So yeah, it was a hand pass. I'm sure he knew it was going to be a hand pass, but I think in this case, uh, it was fine and it probably beat the alternative of uh, you know the Canadiens maybe getting an odd man rush out of this. And with Lundqvist, you know, a little bit of a mixed bag so far through his first two games with the New York Rangers. He definitely has the look of somebody who's a rookie and somebody who is still just kind of getting comfortable at the NHL level. Uh, if you guys noticed, toward the end of the game, Nils Lundqvist wasn't seeing the ice much at all because the Rangers were protecting a one-goal lead down the stretch, and I think they just wanted to go with the guys that they really trust and some of the veteran, def- I mean, I say veteran defensemen, compared to Nils Lundqvist, I suppose guys like Keandre Miller and Fox and Lindgren and all these young guys, they are veterans compared to Nils Lundqvist, but you know what I mean. The guys that they trust on the blue line and uh, you know the veterans that they have back there, the few veterans in Truba and in Nemeth. But yeah, they were pretty much just going with those five defenses down the stretch. And it worked out because the Rangers kept the Canadians from finding the equalizer uh, in the game's final few minutes, held on for the win there. Uh, we will talk about the Ranger goals in just a second here. And I might also... Throw out some ideas for line combinations going forward in the event that the Rangers do not have Capo Caco and Ryan Strom for the next few games. And I'm not sure about that. I haven't seen anything definitive on either player one way or another. But the Rangers are going to have to get creative if they want to, uh, you know, put together a lineup that can actually score some goals. I mean, they got three goals last night, but really it was two because the one was an empty netter. So uh, through three games here, the Rangers have just five non empty net goals. And it just got that much tougher to produce offensively because you just just lost two of your top six forwards so we will talk about all that in just a second here but first want to let you guys know that today's episode of locked on new york rangers is brought to you by built bar did you know that built bar has so many delicious flavors there is something for everyone when you talk to a built bar fan they're definitely passionate about their favorites if you don't know the built bar flavors well you're missing out you got coconut cherry barcia raspberry mint brownie double chocolate salted caramel strawberry orange orange Cookies and cream, and German chocolate. You know what my favorite flavor is? It's mint brownie, because brownies are awesome and these are actually healthy. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Bilt Bar flavors the best tasting, but they are healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. Track and Field team. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. So uh, can we all just take a second to marvel at Adam Fox and everything that he does for this team on a night-in and night-out basis? I mean, he gets the assist last night. He is a plus-two overall. He played 26 minutes and 48 seconds of this game, so nearly half the game. He had 5 minutes and 35 seconds on the power play, 3 minutes and 26 seconds on the penalty kill. He led the Rangers in both of those stats. Uh, he was tied with Lindgren because they're out there together on the penalty kill with 3.26 each, but... The guy just does it all. And I sent out a tweet last night where, you know, I mentioned that if you're playing the Rangers, do not bother trying to steal the puck from Adam Fox or even trying to knock him off balance because you're just not going to be able to do it. There was an instance in this game, and I think this was in the third period, but he was behind the Ranger net, and there were two or three Canadians there, and they're all, you know, hitting him and trying to get the puck away from him. The way that he just seemingly effortlessly moves the puck away from them, protects the puck, maintains possession, keeps his balance. I mean, it's perfect. You cannot play the defensive position any better than Adam Fox does on a night-in and night-out basis. It's absolutely wild. I mean, the guy had almost 10 minutes worth of uh, of special team's time last night for the New York Rangers, between his time on the power play, between his time on the penalty kill, and like I said, 26 minutes and 48 seconds of ice time. The guy's just a complete workhorse. He's out there for nearly half the game. It really stood out in the final couple of minutes of this game when the Rangers were uh, you know, trying to protect the lead. It felt like he never left the ice. He was just out there the entire time and uh, obviously very instrumental in making sure that the Canadians did not end up tying this game, but I did want to get into you know, the Ranger goals here, kind of break down everything that happened. We want to celebrate this win. You know, It was a really nice win for the Rangers, once again, despite not not having some of their key, key pieces. And despite it not being a Picasso, as former coach David Quinn would say, uh, they found a way to get it done. Nice, grinded out win. And they finally got some puck luck. We've kind of been waiting for this. Uh, The Rangers are on the power play. Midway through the second period, Artemi Panarin with a cross-ice pass for Mika Zibanejad. Zibanejad puts the puck toward the net. It deflects off of Kreider, hits Jake Allen, who also had a strong game. I think... The Rangers could have had an extra couple of goals in this game had it not been for the strong play of Jake Allen, but the puck bounces off of Kreider, off of Allen, off of a defenseman, and into the net. So finally, the Rangers get a little bit of a lucky break there. Puck goes into the net. Look, they were working hard in this game. It's not like, you know, they had an incredible amount of scoring opportunities, but I think the effort was there from start to finish. The Rangers knew what they were up against, and uh, they knew that they were going to be playing a desperate Montreal Canadiens team, and they matched that desperation, and they're rewarded here. Once again, a little bit of a lucky break, finally going the Rangers' way in this season. The game is one to nothing, going to the third period, and Jonathan Druin scores a goal for the Canadians. There's nothing Igor Shesterkin could do on this. The Rangers left the front of the net just completely open. Miller and Trouba were both behind the net, and uh, nobody was there to pick up Druin. Druin received a pass in front. McKaig was a little bit late getting there, and Druin's got all day to shoot. He knows this. He takes advantage of it. He pulls the puck to his backhand and uh, lifts it over Igor Shesterkin. Igor did everything he could on this. There was no way to keep this puck out. Uh, the nice thing here, though, is that the Rangers scored just 26 seconds after this. And we've talked about the need for the Rangers to be better on the shift that follows a goal. I thought it was a little bit of a mixed bag in this game because after the Kreider goal that gave the Rangers a one to nothing lead in the second period, I thought the Canadians got a really nice push after that. You know, they kind of responded and got their legs going a little bit, spent some time on the Rangers' side of the ice, And then after this goal by Druin, the Canadians had another opportunity to score on the shift that immediately followed. Igor made the save. There was a whistle. And then on the shift after that, uh, the Rangers come storing up the ice. Fox dishes ahead to Mika Zibanejad. And Zibanejad with a beautiful pass across the ice to Alexi Lafreniere. And Lafreniere puts it home. So again, you know, this wasn't the shift that immediately followed the goal. It obviously happened very soon after, just 26 seconds after to be exact. So it was nice to see the Rangers respond, but I'm still looking for the Rangers to be a little bit better in that shift that immediately follows a goal because they were not good after the Kreider goal. And on the shift that immediately followed the Druin goal, the Canadians got another scoring opportunity. And then the shift after that is when Lafreniere scored. So I want to see that area improve. And again, I don't know the magic formula for this. Maybe at some point I'll kind of throw out an idea as far as like a line that you could go with, a defense pairing you could go with. I mean, I would imagine probably Fox and Lingren would be your best option there. But yeah, I mean, they just got to be a little bit sharper after a goal is scored because that is certainly not the time to take a break. And fortunately, they did have a nice answer here. Like I said, just 26 seconds after the Drewing goal, uh, Mika Zibanejad explodes up the center of the ice, passes to his left, Lafreniere finishes it, scores a goal in his hometown, playing in the NHL in front of his parents for the first time. So that's obviously a really cool thing. And we hope Alexi Lafreniere can get it going. Somebody on this New York Ranger team is going to have to step up big time going forward. Uh, somebody besides, you know, the obvious suspects like Fox and like Panarin and like Zibanejad. Could it be Alexi Lafreniere? Could it be Philip Hedl? Could it be, I don't know, Kevin Rooney? Could it be Seven B- Sammy Blay? somebody's going to have to pick up the slack a little bit if the Rangers are going to be without Ryan Strom and Caco and probably Vitaly Krasov for the foreseeable future. Somebody's going to have to step up and produce offensively, and hopefully this is uh, the kind of thing that can get Alexi Lafreniere going a little bit. He scores his first goal in the third game, took him quite a bit longer than that to get going last season, so hopefully this is kind of the catalyst for him uh, to uh, take a big leap forward here in his second season with the Rangers. And actually, I got to call a little bit more attention to the play that Adam Fox made here because I kind of just glossed over it a second ago. He is in his own zone, and he's about to get hit into the boards. He does end up getting hit into the boards here, but but right before he does, he lifts a, a saucer pass into the neutral zone, gets it to Mika Zibanejad, Zibanejad takes it in stride, explodes up the center of the ice and then makes the pass to his left to Lafreniere who finishes the deal, scores the goal, puts the Rangers on top for good about midway through the third period here. And I also got to talk about Mika Zibanejad. This is the best game that he has played so far for the New York Rangers. He's starting to find it a little bit. He had a very strong defensive game, uh, very good on the penalty kill. He was instrumental in helping the Rangers, uh, run out some of the clock near the end of the game. You know, there was a face off in the Rangers zone when the Canadians had their goalie pulled and Zibanejad did a really nice job keeping the puck pinned against the boards there. And, uh, Eventually, it comes loose, and Kevin Rooney skates into the neutral zone and scores the empty netter to seal it. But Mika Zibanejad is getting there. Uh, There was an instance on the penalty kill where the puck got to him, and he just exploded up the center of the ice. I mean, he went past, like, two or three Montreal Canadiens, just weaved right by all of them, went in on a breakaway, and uh, Jake Allen made a nice save to, to Rob Mika, got his glove on it, knocked it down, and continued to play the puck at that point. But Mika's getting there. He's close, and I think in, as soon as the next game, you're going to see Mika maybe stuff the score sheet. It could be one of those nights for Mika Zibanejad, and we hope that it is. I remember um, you know, last night when Mika assisted Lafreniere, you know, I tweeted, Mika to Lafreniere, and I also wrote, I've been looking forward to tweeting that. And yeah, I mean, because we saw these guys really get on the same page, really link up for a couple of really nice goals down the stretch late last season, and you hope that this is the kind of night that just kind of gets them going a little bit, and the Rangers are certainly going to need it, as we've documented. And speaking of things that the Rangers are definitely going to need, how about a hot streak for Chris Kreider? And that's what he's doing so far this season. Obviously, he's got a goal in each of the first three Ranger games here. A lot of uh, dirty goals, tipping goals right from the doorstep there. Uh, he got a little bit of a lucky break in this game last night because obviously, you know, he deflected the puck off the goalie, off the defensive in. But at the same time, he's in front of the net there creating havoc. I think he earned that goal too. So three goals in as many games for Chris Kreider. And we've talked about on here, and you guys don't even need me to tell you this. Anybody that's watched the New York Rangers for any amount of time going back however many years, you want to go back here, you are very, very well aware of the fact that Chris Kreider is a very hot and cold player. You know, he's up and down. He's very, very streaky. That's pretty much the long and short of it. But if there is ever a time for Chris Kreider to get one of his patented white hot streaks— this is it, right here, right now, because as we've just been talking about, the Rangers are down a lot of firepower right now, and they need people to step up. So, if Chris Kreider can really catch fire, really kind of, uh, you know, maintain that scoring touch through the first 10 or so games here, at least until the Rangers start to get a little bit healthy, you know, Kako gets back out there, Strom gets back out there, maybe Kraftsoft gets back out there. I'm not really holding my breath there, but I suppose crazier things have happened. But they really need Chris Kreider to step up, and uh, that's what he's been doing so far. And it's funny because. You know, during some of these games, I haven't always... Notice Chris Kreider all that much. I don't think he's been the Rangers' most noticeable player on the ice. But be that as it may, he is still finding a way to score goals night in and night out. And he's going to the front of the net and doing some of the dirty work there. So props to Chris Kreider for stepping up like a captain, by the way. And, uh, you know, kind of helping this team at a time where they really need it. Stepping up big time, making some plays, and uh, scoring some goals when the Rangers really are pressed for goals at this time. Especially with all the guys that are missing from the lineup. Uh, The last thing I wanted to do today was kind of toss out some new line combination ideas because if the Rangers are going to have to go into Monday night's game against the Calgary Flames without Strom and without Kako, and I do not know that still kind of awaiting updates on both of those players. But they're going to have to get creative because they're down both of those players, and they're also down Vitaly Krasov. All three of these guys were going to be in top six roles to start the season. So at this point, you got to get creative. And I'm going to try to get creative here and try to put together some line combos from the first line to the fourth line that make some sense, I think, for this game against Calgary and for however long these guys are going to be out of the lineup. So, uh, well, first of all, let me just mention, we're not going to mess with the defense pairings. I think everything is as it should be right now. I mean, I suppose you could always... Move one guy up, move one guy down, but I don't see any real pressing need to do that at this moment. So we're just going to focus on the forwards right now. I'm going to stick with the top line as it's currently constructed, and that's Mika Zibanejad centering Alexi Lafreniere and Chris Kreider. As we noted, Mika, he's just starting to heat up. He's starting to find it a little bit. Last night was his best game of the season, and him and Lafreniere really showed some great chemistry last season. I think you want Lafreniere on that top line, uh, playing with great guys like Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider, try to get him going a little bit. I like what I'm seeing overall from this first line. I know that you know the goals haven't always been there, but I think you have to stick with this line because for right now, I'm going to resist the urge to super stack the top line. I know some of you want to see this. You want to see Panarin up there with Mika Zibanejad. You could maybe go with a top line of Panarin, Zibanejad, and Kreider, but I'm going to resist the urge to do that, because right now, I mean, there's two schools of thought. The first one, for people that want to see that top line stacked, is that, well, we need a line that is a constant threat to go out there and score goals, and we're down a lot of guys, and that's the best chance that we had to score goals, to super stack the top line. Uh, The counter argument to that, and the one that I'm kind of leaning toward, is that the rest of the lineup is completely screwed right now if you do that. I'm exaggerating a little bit to make the point But, I mean, think about it. If you have Panarin and Zibanejad and Kreider on that top line, where does that leave the rest of this lineup right now? I mean, I I don't know how you fill out the the bottom nine at that point. So I'm going to resist the urge to super stack the top line. Maybe when some guys come back, that's a discussion that we can have at some point. But for right now, let's leave Panarin and Zibanejad on opposite lines, at least for the time being. The second line... I'm going to go with uh, Philip Hedl at center, Artemi Panarin at left wing, and I'm going to go with Julian Gauthier at right wing. Look, the Rangers need some scoring right now, and there's no Kako, and there's no Strom, and there's no Kravtsov. So to me, this is the perfect time to tell Julian Gautier, look, it's sinker swim time. Because Gauthier has been on the Rangers for a couple of seasons now, hasn't ever really gotten it going, at least not with any kind of consistency, and with so many guys out of the lineup, and with the Rangers struggling to score goals right now, like I said, only five goals in the first three games, not counting the empty netter by Rooney last night, if there's ever a time to find out once and for all what you have in Julian Gauthier, this is the time, and I think the best way to do that, throw him onto the Panarin line, throw him into a top six role, make sure he gets some time on the power play and find out once and for all what you have. If, if Kako and Strom are not going to be around for a while, then take advantage, make the best of a bad situation, basically, and find out once and for all, like I said, what you have in Julian Gauthier. Can this guy be a big-time part of this team going forward, or is he just kind of there and he's somebody that's going to move on quietly, you know, next offseason? Will the Rangers trade him at some point? Um, you know, you got, you got to find out one way or the other, and I think this is the perfect opportunity to do that. Like I said, making the best of a bad situation. Third line call up Morgan Barron. Barron is off to a good start with the Hartford Wolfpack. He's got two goals in his first two games, and I'm sorry, but I got to aim a little bit higher than Greg McKeg centering the third line right now. Now, Morgan Barron, is he bonafide NHL ready? I don't know that for sure. He played five games with the Rangers last season, scored his first NHL goal during that time, but either way, it's time to find out because, and it's nothing against Greg McKaig. I got nothing against him. He's a hardworking player. He makes the most out of what he's got, but With the Rangers, once again, struggling to score goals and missing some pretty big firepower right now, I got to aim a little bit higher, and I got to go with Morgan Barron on that third line, call him up from the HL, put him on the third line, and flank him with Sammy Blay on the left wing and Barclay Goodrow on the right wing. I don't think I'm really reinventing the wheel there. I think that's something that would be pretty much expected as, as far as the two wingers on the third line are concerned. And then on the fourth line, give me Rooney. At center, give me Reeves at right wing, and I suppose either McKaig or Hunt, I guess I would slightly lean toward Hunt just because he's a little bit younger. Maybe there's a little bit more upside with Hunt than there is with McKaig. Uh, but here's something else. If you're not going to call it Baron, then let me see Kevin Rooney on the third line. Let's give him a little bit of a promotion, and then we can have McKeg at center on the fourth line and Hunt at left wing on the fourth line. I understand maybe not wanting to break up the fourth line, and maybe that's why McKeg was on the third line last night and Rooney was on the fourth line, but I think Rooney's just the better overall player. And honestly, even offensively, I think there's a better chance that Rooney can chip in offensively than McKeg can. So those are just my thoughts on the lineup going forward. Uh, that'll pretty much do it for today, guys. And it's funny because, you know, the Raiders obviously got off to a rough start this season, losing both of their first two games. And also, you know, just everything that's happened with Vitaly Krassoff, everything that happened with them not naming a captain, everything that happened on opening night, some questionable lineup decisions. All of a sudden with this one win, we're all feeling a little bit better. And if the Raiders can be a very beatable flame Team on Monday night, then just like that, you've gotten five out of a possible eight points to start the season, and that's not too shabby. So looking forward to Monday night. Hopefully the Rangers can, uh, you know, pick up another win, get the season off the ground, and we just take it from there. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we will be talking about the result of the Rangers against the Flames. Now make your second listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Host Scott Cullen leans on his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league. It is free and available on all platforms.